Today we're continuing our message series called God's Power Continues. In this series, we're looking at what the Bible has to say about how God's power continues into our own time. Now, if you read the Bible, you begin at Genesis and you go all the way through to the book of Revelation, you're going to see that God moves supernaturally. You see people being healed. You see God speaking to people. You see miracles happening. And so we believe that the Bible gives us an example, gives us examples of how God moves in the world. And we believe that the Bible teaches clearly that God's power does continue into our own time for people who believe. And so I pray that as we go through this series, God's power continues, that each of our faith would increase to believe God, to do the impossible in our day and our time. Now last Sunday we talked about how Jesus told his disciples to wait until the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them before they went out of the city of Jerusalem. If you missed the message, I'd encourage you to watch it. Uh, the video is on our website. It's also on YouTube. I encourage you to watch so you don't miss anything there. Acts 1, 4, and 5. Now in your bulletin, there's a white page. I'd encourage you to pull that out. And on that white page is the outline of the message with the verses as well as a study guide on the back that will be used in the life groups. And you can also use it for your own personal study as well. Acts 1, 4, and 5. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus described this power of the Holy Spirit that the disciples were to wait for as a gift. It's a gift that had to be received. It's a gift that God freely offered. And the experience of receiving the gift of the Spirit, Jesus called the baptism with or in the Spirit. Now, what was the main purpose of this baptism in the Spirit? Well, Jesus tells us in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. And so Acts 1.8 is really the key verse for the entire book of Acts. The purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to receive power to be Jesus' witnesses. And we see as we read through the book of Acts, this is found, of course, in Acts 1, as we read from chapter 2 on, the disciples re receiving the power of the Holy Spirit and being Jesus' powerful witnesses. And the early church exploded with thousands and thousands of people being added to the church over a short period of time. Today our message is entitled, The Power of Pentecost. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2. Looking at what happened on Pentecost, what it meant, and how it applies to our lives today. But first, we want to make sure we understand the role of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life, because there is some confusion in teaching today. The Bible teaches that each and every believer receives the Holy Spirit to live inside of them when they put their faith in Jesus Christ. So if you're a believer here this morning, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. This happened for Jesus' disciples after his resurrection. Jesus had told them before his resurrection that the Holy Spirit was with them, but he would be in them. And now after Jesus rose from the dead in John 20, verse 21, Jesus speaks to his disciples and says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and, sa and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. When Jesus gives a command, what happens? It's 
It happens. Whatever he says happens. And at that very point in time, they received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit went from being with them to being inside of them. In other words, the disciples were born again. And yet, they were still not ready to carry out the ministry that Jesus had for them. And so Jesus told them to wait. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit lives inside of you, but there is an additional experience with the Holy Spirit that you need to be prepared to minister. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You have not yet received that. So after Jesus rose from the dead, where were the disciples? They were hiding. They were hiding in inner rooms. They didn't want anybody to find them because, well, if you watch the AD series, it's maybe a little played out, but they were searching for them. They wanted to find them. The authorities wanted to do away and nip this Jesus cult at the very beginning. And so they were hiding. And as they were hiding in the room, they decided they needed to have a 12th apostle. What happened? There was only 11. Anybody know what happened? Well, Judas was no longer with them. And so they needed a 12th apostle. And what did they do? Well, they, they wanted to decide who would be the 12th apostle. And so they did it by casting lots. Rolling dice, trusting God to, to uh, inspire the roll of the dice so they could decide who would be the next apostle. Why did they do that? Because they weren't yet able to clearly hear the voice of the Spirit speaking to them. They didn't know how to hear God speak at that point in time. After Pentecost, the early church never again cast lots to determine God's will. And why was that? Because they were now able to hear God speak to them directly through the Holy Spirit. So why did Jesus tell the disciples to wait? What did they need? What would the baptism in the Holy Spirit supply to them? Well, already said, the main purpose of the baptism in the Spirit was to give power to be Jesus' witnesses to the ends of the earth. And after Pentecost, the disciples had amazing courage to witness for Jesus, even when threatened by the authorities. Don't speak in Jesus' name. said, we need to obey God and not men. And they went out and continued to speak, even at the cost of some of their lives. The baptism in the Holy Spirit gave them the ability to hear the Holy Spirit speak directly to them. They heard God speaking and they followed his direction. The baptism of the Spirit gave them the capacity to move in spiritual gifts and to do the same kinds of supernatural things that Jesus did. Jesus promised that his followers would do the same things that he did. But they needed the power of the Holy Spirit in order to bring that promise to fulfillment. The baptism of the Spirit gave them an enhanced understanding of God's Word. They began to put together... As you read the Gospels, you see they didn't understand the things that Jesus said. They didn't understand how the Old Testament prophecy applied. But after they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, it all came together. They began to understand the Word of God. The Old Testament, the things that Jesus had said to them, it all began to fit together. It began to make sense. And why was that? Who is the real author of the Bible? It's the Spirit of God. He's the one that inspired the different writers. He is the ultimate author of the Bible. And all of those benefits that we've talked about, that the disciples at the early church experienced, all those benefits of Pentecost are still available to believers today. So let's begin to look at Acts 2 and see what it teaches us about the power of Pentecost. What was the experience of Pentecost? Well, let's watch a video recreation of the day of Pentecost. It's from the 
from the episode of A.D. The Bible Continues. That's going to be shown tonight. I'd encourage you to watch it. It's on NBC at 8 to 9. Our life group uh, will run from 6 to 7.30, the one in Chesterfield, and then at 8 o'clock. If you'd like to stay and watch with us, uh, we'd love to have you, I believe. The other life group, is at, is it at 6.30? Where's Calvin? Six? It's at 6.30, and you're going to be watching at, at 8 o'clock uh, as well. So let's watch a video recreation of the day of Pentecost. What the Bible says happened. The believers were praying in unity. Acts 1.14 and 2.1 says they all joined together constantly in prayer. They were waiting. They were praying. And when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And so when Jesus told the disciples to wait, to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit, the disciples knew what Jesus meant. Jesus didn't mean for them to simply wait passively and for something to happen to them. Waiting on God is, throughout the Bible, is something active. When you wait on God, it's, it's something you do with intense prayer. It's something you do seeking God to fulfill His promise. God had promised the Holy Spirit would come and they were seeking God to fulfill that promise. They don't think it had anything to do with praying the Lord's Prayer very loudly, you know, 10,000 times. I mean, they were praying other things as well, I'm sure. And they were believing God. The disciples were not praying separately. They were joined together with other believers, praying for the same purpose, believing God for the same end. And at the appropriate time, God answered their prayers, and every single one was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Verse 2 and 3. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And so when the Holy Spirit came for the first time on the day of Pentecost, there were physical manifestations. First of all, this sound of a violent rushing wind. In the Bible, the wind often symbolizes the power, the moving of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, there were tongues of fire, and those tongues represent the very presence of God coming upon each and every believer. Fire represents God. Remember Moses and the burning bush, the the burning representing the power and presence of God. Tongues of fire. We see that this coming of the Holy Spirit affected their physical tongues. And so tongues of fire were upon their heads. Now those first two signs of the Spirit, the wind and the fire, were only present on Pentecost when the Spirit came for the very first time in power. The third sign of the Spirit was that all the believers spoke in other tongues. Verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so each and every believer there seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit were filled without any exceptions. Each one began to speak in other tongues in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. And this third sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the believers is seen again and again when others are baptized in the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. We see them speaking in tongues. What does it mean to speak in other tongues? Well, it simply means to speak in a language that the believer has not learned. Okay, if I'm speaking in English, I'm not speaking in tongues. If I'm speaking, if I was speaking in Chinese, I would be because I don't know Chinese. If I was speaking in some other language that may not even be an earthly language, uh, that would be 
speaking in tongues if done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now on the day of Pentecost, the languages that were spoken were earthly languages. Uh, believers, like I said, I haven't seen the whole episode on AD, but they, scholars figure they must have come out of the upper room and continued to speak in tongues. And the tongues that they spoke on were actual languages that all of the believers that were there at the temple at that time could begin to understand. There were people from all kinds of countries and the disciples were glorifying God and praising God in the language of people there which they had not learned. And so speaking in tongues is yielding one's physical tongue to be used by the Holy Spirit to glorify God in a language that you have not learned. That was the experience of Pentecost. Now, the experience of Pentecost is not written down by Luke in the Gospel of Acts, or the book of Acts, just to inform us of what happened 2,000 years ago. It certainly does that, but it was also written to encourage us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives today, just as those early disciples did. And so today I'd like to share with you my story of an experience of the experience of Pentecost. My father, who's in heaven now, was a Baptist pastor. And so I was raised knowing the Bible from little on. And my mother led me to the Lord when I was four years old. And I still remember the occasion. Sitting on the edge of the bed, she read me a little book. I still have the book somewhere. And about how to make Jesus the captain of my life. And I repented of all my ungodly sins at the age of four. And <clears throat> I, I remember crying, weeping over the bad things I had done. And, uh, and I remember receiving Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. At the age of nine, I was baptized uh, by immersion in water in my father's church. And I continued to walk with God. In college, I began to lead a Bible study group. Uh, made up of other students, and we studied the Bible together. And one time, one of the girls in the group went away, one of the students went away on vacation. And when she came back to the group, she had dramatically changed. I mean, it's not that she was an awful person before, but she, something was very different about her. She was on fire for God. She began to witness to everybody she knew. She was trying to tell everybody about Jesus. She was filled with incredible joy. She, she had a new intense hunger for God's word. She just wanted to read it. She wanted to talk about it. She wanted to study it. And I asked her, what happened to you? What happened on this vacation? She said, well, she went to a church. And when she was at the church, they talked about the power of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she went forward. Someone prayed with her. And she was baptized in the Holy Spirit, received it, and began to speak in another tongue. And after that, her life was dramatically changed. Well, I didn't know what to make of that. Uh, Baptists basically teach that the supernatural aspects of the Bible are, are really ancient history. They believe it happened in the past, and Jesus did those things, the disciples did those things, but they don't happen anymore. In fact, they taught that speaking in tongues was of the devil. You know, if it happened today, it couldn't be God. Anything miracles that happened today were counterfeit miracles. It was the devil trying to trick people into things. And so, 
what was I to do? Well, I began to diligently study the Bible. I began to read the Gospels. I began to read the book of Acts to try to understand because I hadn't been really taught about it at all. It's kind of ignored in Baptist teaching. What was the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What was the power of the Spirit? What was this all about? And so I began to study and began to read and began to pray. And as I studied, my eyes were opened and I began to realize that, no, this hadn't ended at the end of the book of Acts. It hadn't ended when the Bible was completed. It was intended to be an ongoing experience for believers, for the church. And so I then began to pray that God would baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Well, I began to seek God for that. I began to fast and pray. And I asked the Bible study group to pray for me one day. And I was alone in my study. And I was praying and I simply asked God to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And I believed that he would. My faith had been built to the point that I believed that he would. And as I prayed, I, I, I felt a physical sensation of the Holy Spirit filling me up. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I just, I just felt something come inside of me that wasn't there before. And I believed it was the Holy Spirit. And I felt something welling up within me. And I began to speak in a language I'd never learned before. And I realized that I could speak or I could stop and I could start again. It wasn't something that just took over me and I couldn't help myself. It was something that was under my control, but somehow the Holy Spirit was speaking through me. And from that point on, my life was really dramatically changed, just as this girl had in the study group as well. The Word of God became alive to me. I, I read it and it started to make more sense. I read it and it wasn't just ancient history. It was something that applied to my life today. I began to write down what God was saying. I began to hear God so clearly I could write down what I felt he was saying to me. I began to be bold in my witness. I began to move in various spiritual gifts. The gifts of prophecy, the gift of healing, different things. And I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that the Holy Spirit was inside of me in a new and fresh way guiding me in my life. And really since that time, I've prayed in the Spirit uh, each and every day for many, many years. And I believe that God desires every believer to experience the power of Pentecost in their lives. And so what is the explanation of Pentecost? We looked at what, what happened back then, looked at what happened in my life. What is the explanation of Pentecost? Well, the disciples here are back to Jerusalem the disciples were speaking in other tongues. They continued to speak and glorify God. People were gathering around. They heard them glorifying God. People were saying, well, he's speaking in my language. Somebody else, he's speaking in my language. And so they begin to ask, what does this mean? What, what is going on here? Now, some of the crowd thought the believers were drunk. You know, they're just babbling on. Perhaps they didn't understand the language a particular believer was speaking. And they thought they were just just uh, had been drinking too much that morning. And so Peter stood up and he began to explain to the crowd what was going on. He said that in the last days, God had promised to pour out his spirit. He quotes from the prophet Joel in Acts 2.17. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. 
Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. A couple of message series back, we talked about the last days. And we learned that the Bible teaches that the last days are the time, the times from when Jesus ascended into heaven until when he returns again. And so Jesus ascended into heaven 2,000 years ago. Has he returned yet? No, the right answer is no. And he has not returned yet. And so we are living in the last days right now. And when the Bible speaks of the last days, you and I are living in that period of time. And so in the last days, these things are going to happen. He says that during this whole period of the last days, God is going to pour out or baptize people in the Holy Spirit, men, women, and even children. And when people are baptized in the Spirit, the common manifestation will be that they will prophesy. Prophecy is when someone speaks forth words that God gives them. God gives them words to speak and they speak it forth. And so speaking in tongues is really a form of prophecy. And so the prophecy of Joel goes on to speak, we don't have the verses here, of supernatural signs in the heavens that will occur during the end of the last days. And the very end of Joel's prophecy, quoted by Peter, makes it clear that the main purpose of Pentecost is the salvation of the lost. Verse 21, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so the last days, this time of the Holy Spirit's being poured out is the time for the church, is the time for the disciples of Jesus Christ to spread the truth of Jesus to everyone. Remember we read Acts 1.8. Jesus said that the, the purpose of the baptism of the Spirit is to give power to witness so that more and more people will call on the name of the Lord and more and more people will be saved. Now Jesus told his disciples before he left that he would have to leave them in order for the Spirit to come in order for the Spirit to be poured out. And John the Baptist prophesied that Jesus himself would be the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And so Peter makes it clear that Jesus himself has poured out the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He says in verse 33, Exalted to the right hand of God, Jesus has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And so Jesus ascended to heaven. We saw that at the very beginning of the book of Acts. He asked the Father for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that had been promised, and then he poured out the Holy Spirit on the waiting disciples. So what happens when the believers receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? There's something to see and hear. They speak in tongues as the initial sign. There's ongoing results in a person's life that are dramatic evidence of the power of the Spirit being upon them. Now, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so, everything that God commands requires faith in order to obey. God desires for every person in the world to be saved. Is everybody saved? No. It requires faith in Jesus Christ in order to be saved. It requires faith in order to receive the gift of salvation. We have to do something in order to be saved. Believers are to be baptized in water at Jesus' command. People are baptized by doing something, by believing that as they're baptized, 
God is going to bless them as they obey Jesus' command. Believers ask Jesus for the gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit in faith. And as they ask, God answers their prayer with his power. And so people's stories in these three initial experiences of the Christian faith vary. Not everybody's story is going to be like mine, either in how I was saved, how I was baptized in water, or received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the common elements are obedience and faith. And so the explanation of Pentecost is that Jesus is still pouring out his spirit. He poured out his spirit for the first time on Pentecost, and he's still pouring out his spirit on believers today. And he has been down through history for those who ask in faith, equipping people with the power of the Spirit to bring the lost to salvation. So let's look at our final question this morning. What is the promise of Pentecost? Let's just review for a minute. I, I'd encourage you to read the whole second chapter of Acts this week. And watch the, uh, the video series tonight. And understand that that's just, that is not God's word. <laughs> that's a uh, recreation of people. I might not do it exactly, I probably wouldn't do some things exactly the way they did. But it's relatively, as these things go, faithful to God's word. With a few caveats here and there. Uh, but read the second chapter of Acts this week to put the teaching in context. We can't go over all the verses uh, this morning and we're going to be moving on next week. But I encourage you to read the whole thing. This group of 120 disciples was baptized in the Holy Spirit in the upper room. And they come out, they continue to speak in tongues. And people ask, what does this mean? What does this mean? And so Peter begins to preach a sermon to explain what was happening from the Word of God, from the Old Testament. And then he moved on and told them about Jesus. Jesus who had lived among them for three years. Jesus who had done supernatural signs, healing people, performing miracles. And Jesus then was crucified. And he was raised from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit. And now he was pouring out that same Holy Spirit onto his followers. And so the crowd began to realize that it was their sin that they had crucified the very Son of God who was now alive. They had put him to death. It was, they were guilty of the sin of murder. And so they were filled with conviction. And they asked a second question. They asked Peter, what must we do? I mean, we're guilty now. We've killed Jesus. What must we do? And Peter gave them the answer in Acts 2.38. He says, repent and be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we have a threefold command of Jesus for for every person there, uh, I believe for every person of all age, including our time today. Repent, first of all, of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Be baptized in water, number two, and number three, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Each one of these commands requires faith and participation by a person with God. Next, Peter makes it very clear that the promise of the Spirit is for every believer. Verse 39, the promise is for you and your children and for all, circle that word all, who are far off, for all, circle the word all, whom the Lord our God will call. 
Now what is the promise? We talked about the promise back in verse 33. It's the promise of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Spirit is available not just for the immediate disciples of Jesus that were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. It was, a, it was for the whole crowd that had gathered, 3,000 plus people. And it wasn't just for the crowd, it was for the children of the crowd. And it wasn't just for the children of the crowd that were alive at that time. It was for all who are afar off. For others in other cities, for others in other countries who are alive at the time. And it wasn't just for those, it was for all who God calls. And that's universal of all time, down through history. And so the baptism in the Spirit is for every believer of all ages until Jesus returns again. Now, for some here today, this is all new. You've, you may have never studied these scriptures before. You, have, you had no idea that believers could experience the same power that the early disciples did. Others might be in the situation I was a number of years ago. You read these passages before, but somebody has taught you that these passages don't apply to you anymore. They don't apply to us. They're just simply church history. So here's what God would have you do. Read the scriptures for yourself. Read the book of Acts. Read the scriptures in the outline. Begin to pray. Begin to seek. As we go through this series, we're going to talk about other things in the early church, uh, but read through the book of Acts. Take the message outlines home. Read the verses there. Go through the study guide. If you can, come to the small groups. We'd encourage you to do that. The messages go online, usually early in the week. You can listen to them again. I, I really do pack a lot into this, so I would encourage you to listen once again and ask God to help you to understand what his word is teaching. If you have questions, ask somebody. Ask somebody to answer the questions from the Bible. You can ask your life group leader. You can ask me. And when you're convinced about the next step that God wants you to take, ask in faith. You can do it privately like I did. Uh, or you can have us pray for you at the prayer time at the end of a Sunday service. You can have people pray for you in a life group. And God always answers prayers prayed in faith by those who have repentant hearts. And so today we've looked at the highlights of the experience of Pentecost. We looked at the explanation and the promise of Pentecost. And I'm absolutely convinced that in the world that we live in today, we need the power of the Holy Spirit more than ever. Satan is coming against the Christian church in ways unprecedented. And if we feel we're safe here in America, it's going to come here too. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to stand firm, in order to be effective witnesses, to better hear and follow God's voice. We need the Spirit's power to be used in the supernatural as Jesus was, confirming the message of God's word with signs and wonders. And so wherever you're at in your understanding this morning, seek God to grow in that understanding. And as your understanding of, as our understanding altogether of God's word grows, then our faith is going to grow for God to move in our lives, to move in our church, and to move in our city. And what is the very first step that God commands each person to take? The very first step is to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that yet, or perhaps you've done it in the past, and this morning you feel 
you want to recommit your life to the Lord, I'd encourage you to pray a simple prayer. I'm going to give you an opportunity in a minute. And in this prayer, first of all, we're going to admit that we've sinned. That's what repentance is really all about. Admitting that you've sinned, turning away from that sin. Secondly, you want to believe, you need to believe in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross, that your sins might be forgiven, and that he rose from the dead three days later, that he's alive. You must believe in the resurrection in order to be saved. And finally, committing your life to following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. I'd encourage you to pray along with me. If you'd like to commit your life to Jesus Christ for the first time or recommit your life, say something like this in your own mind. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things and I, I choose to repent. I choose to turn away from those things. I ask that you help me. I put my faith in you. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. Come into my life. Forgive me. I believe you rose from the dead and I commit my life to following you from this day forward as my Lord and Savior and doing everything that you tell me to do. In Jesus' name. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, today we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that Jesus began pouring out on Pentecost 2,000 years ago. And we thank you that you're still pouring out your Spirit on those who seek your power in their lives. Give us a heart to understand all that your word is teaching with regard to the Spirit. Give us a desire to receive every gift that you have for us. May we not despise the gifts that you have for us and think that we don't need them. We need your gifts. We need more of your power in our lives in order to be able to reach the lost in ways far exceeding what we've done in the past. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in our church as we're open to new things, as we desire to follow you in everything that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.